Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. Man, that's what I'm talking about. Hey, well, welcome to 2024, Coastal. How are y'all feeling? Feeling good? 21 days of prayer and fasting. I know you're not, you don't talk about it. Come on, but what are you fasting? What's a few people fasting in the house today? Fasting, who said water? You don't fast water. Oh, wine, wine. I'm about to say, don't fast water, Carl. Come on, we'll have you fainting in here too. Don't do that. Uh, my family, Devin's fasting a little bit of TV. No, no TV, no, no late night shows with hey, we're done for the day, no, none of that. My kids are fasting, too. They're doing, we had this discussion at the dinner table. We do this every year. Kids, what do y'all want to fast? And to which my, one of my daughters said, Dad, I'm going to fast sugar. I'm going to fast desserts, except for ice cream. <laughs> and I'm like, I understand, baby. I understand, you know. I told them, I said, listen, I'm personally, I'm personally going to fast Chick-fil-A on Sundays. That's going to be, <laughs> come on, come on, somebody. 21 days of prayer and fasting, just believing God to do some amazing things. Hey, next week, we're celebrating 14 years, y'all, 14 years. Man, come out of that service. We're just going to have a good time. Um, also, another thing that we do every year, we encourage everyone to just have a uh, pastor up in Wilmington, Pastor Mike uh, from Port City, started this thing years ago, and the, the question is, what's your one word for the year? And we've just been doing it for years. And we've just said, hey, what's one word that you're just asking God to just do something in your life? Like maybe the word could be peace or grace or whatever. Just something that you know that you need and you're asking God to do. And so we ask everyone, just kind of think about it, your one word for the year. But then I also kind of give us corporately one word for us to be thinking about to, to just pray as a community as well. So are you ready? This is a big word this year. I mean, there's lots and lots of syllables. I mean, you got to spell this thing. You ready? Here's the word. B. B E. B. To just be human. A human being. To be beloved. Come on. To just to just be in the moment. To be long. To be loved to be holy, all these things. And I just think that that is our word for the year this year in a, in a time where, man, things are just a million miles an hour. Sometimes we need just to hit, have the Lord speak over us a being. It's like, no, no, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, my beloved son, and that you are loved just as you are. Come on, you can come to church just as you are. Guys, I have no interest in changing you. I have zero interest. I can't even change myself. Come on. I just think Jesus would do such a better job than I could. I, I, have, I have no interest at all in seeing you come to church here for the next decade and you just become a, a little bit better person. That sounds miserable. I just, I just think that we need to come to Jesus and let him do the changing. Let him mean that he is holy and we are not and God, whatever it is that you want for us, whatever you want to do for us, God, we just submit to your calling, to your changing in us. Hey, let's get into it this morning. I want to read from the book of Isaiah, chapter 58. 
it's a well-known, for some of us, verse of Scripture. But I want to read it this morning from the message version, because there's, just, there's a, just a few ways that Eugene puts it that I just kind of want to get you the feel of this Scripture. And we're going to read the whole chapter. Is that okay? Isaiah chapter 58 says the shouts, a full-throated shout, hold nothing back, a trumpet blast kind of shout. Tell my people what's wrong with their lives. Welcome to 2024. <laughs> Face my family, Jacob, with their sins. They're busy, busy, busy at worship. They love studying all about me. To all appearances, they're a nation of right-living people, law-abiding, God-honoring. They appear that way. They ask me, What's the right thing to do? They love having me on their side, but they also complain. Why do we fast and you don't look our way? Why do we humble ourselves and you don't even notice? And to which God begins to answer their question. Well, here's why. The bottom line on your fast days is profit. You drive your employees much too hard. You fast, but at the same time you bicker and you fight. You fast, but you swing a mean fist. The kind of fasting you do won't get your prayers off the ground. Do you think this is the kind of fast day that I'm after? To show off humility? To put a pious long face and parade around solemnly in black? Do you call that fasting a fast that I, God, would like? Do you think that that pleases God? This is the kind of fast that I'm after. So pay attention. God said, this is my desire. This is what I want. To break the chains of injustice. To get rid of exploitation in the workplace. Free the oppressed. Cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is this. Sharing your food with the hungry. Inviting the homeless and poor into your homes. Putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad. Here it goes. Being available to your own family. Do this, and the lights will turn on. Come on, do this, and you'll find out some lights will pop on, and your lives will be turned around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage. And then, when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help, and I'll say things like this. Here I am. If you get rid of unfair practices, if you quit blaming victims and you quit gossiping about other people's sins, if you are generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Come on, some glow in the dark sticks. Your shadow lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places. Come on, a full life in the emptiest of places. Firm muscles, strong bones. You'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew, rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those that can fix anything. Restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate Make the community livable again. If you watch your step on the Sabbath and don't use my holy day for, 
for personal advantage. If you treat the Sabbath as a day of joy, God's holy day as a celebration, if you honor it by refusing to do business as usual, making money and running here and running there, uh, then you'll be free to enjoy God. Free to enjoy God. Oh, I'll make you right. I'll make you ride high and soar above it all. I'll make you feast on the inheritance of your ancestor Jacob. Yes, I am God who says so. Man, what words. This word starts off, this beautiful chapter, it starts off with this kind of punch in the gut, right? Trumpets blasting, tell the people what's wrong with them. There's all of these things, and the people are upset with God. You're upset with God because of this. You don't think God works. Why is it that we do all these things and it's like God's not even there? We fast and we humble, but God doesn't see that I skip breakfast. God doesn't see that I've done all this help to the poor. God doesn't see that I've done all of these acts of services. And so you start off this chapter and there's this trumpet going out. Remember, this is to the people of God. This is to Joe down the street. This is the people of God, and it's trumpets blasting, and then there's a second section in which God brings some clarity. You want to know why? This is why you're getting the results you're getting. This is why it seems like I'm not working. And then he gives us kind of the checkpoints of clarity of the things that he desires and he wants. And then finally, in this chapter, there's this redemption of like what it looks like to give God the worship and the fasting, and the life that he desires. It's this picture of darkness turning into light, and light coming on, and being bathed in this sunlight into which, man, there is no shadows. Like right now, there's light all around me, but there is 17 shadows. Come on, some of us came to church this morning, and we look real good on the outside, but we've got all kinds of shadows that we don't want no one to know about. And Jesus is saying, when you step into my type of light, you can't find a shadow. Everything, everything in my life, everything in your life submitted to the lordship of Christ. Man, no, no, he knows it all. He sees it all. There's no shadows. There's nothing I have to worry about being found out because he knows it already. All of this, this redemption picture. So there's this correction, there's this clarification, and there's this redemption. Now, odds are you read this chapter and your personality kicks in, and the reality is your personality falls into one of these three categories. And so you read it, and there's a piece of you that, man, all you can hear is the, the, the trumpets blasting and the correction that needs to take place. Of, oh, wait, hold on. Man, we, we, we are doomed and gloomed. Man, people, have you seen what's going on? Man, even in the church, all the problems that are happening in the church, all the things that are happening in society, all the things that are happening in, 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 in our culture, and, and everything within you just wants to just dwell on this first part of the chapter that, like, I, it, it's going to hell. We're going to hell. Oh, and, and like that's all you hear. It's like you read the book of Revelations but didn't read the last two chapters, you know? And so all you can see is like, no, no, things get bad. And, and then maybe you're, you're the second person that you read this and you're like, oh, okay. You turn everything into a checklist, which is me. It's like, okay, w there's some correction that needs to take place, some clarity in which God wants us to like. So let's make sure we can check all of these boxes to do everything that God's saying 
But the problem is we check all these boxes so much so that we forget the correction that had to take place in the first place. So we end up just doing a 360, and we're right back where we started. It's just five years later. I'm the only one that does that. Come on. Trying to work real hard, trying to figure it all out, trying to appear one way. Or you have the type of personality that, man, you just hear that redemption, you hear the no shadows, you hear the light, and that's all you could hear, and you're just super excited, and you're so excited that that's it. Like, you, you, you forget that, like, oh, hold on, some things have to change. Like, th- there's some things that God's pointing out that he's saying, like, no, 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 you, you have to understand all of this comes at a huge price. There is a cross that's coming there is a rebellion in your life, and God saying, no, these are the things that I desire, and without me, without this cross, without my sacrifice, you are utterly hopeless. So all of these things coming together, and my point is this, we have to take, just like this chapter, we have to take the word of God as a whole, all of it together, the complete picture and the fullness of the gospel. And so in 2024, I just, my prayer is that a church is that we could embrace his correction Submit to his desires and walk in the redemption that he's already provided for us. All of these things coming together to see a fuller, healthier picture of the church, of your family, in your workplace, healthier, healthier pastors, healthier friends, healthier relationships, to be those people that God is calling us to be. And I love this one line at the end. It says, so that we could be a people who are known for this. They could fix anything. Come on, the MacGyver of Brunswick County. What's that church like? I don't know, it's like the MacGyver. They could just fix anything. The other night, the band was at my house, and they were having practice. And, and if y'all guys haven't met Rochelle yet, she was over here playing the keys. And we were just talking about things. And she was like, listen, my job, I'm in hospitality. I could fix anything. I was like, you're right. She was like, it doesn't matter what it is. This is broken. This is broken. I do, I do hospitality for that. I'm like, that's what you're known for. And, and God's saying, like, oh, this is kind of the call of the people of God. That this is what we were to be known for, to be those repairs of the re- breach, the restorers of path to dwell in, all of these things being built up, build these walls, the restorers of homes. But it starts off with this trumpet. And it says, it's busy, busy, busy at worship, love studying all about me. And I read this, guys, and there was just this kind of tears in my eyes and in my soul of this, like, God, I have fallen into this trap so many times. And this is the complete opposite of what my heart desires. I don't want to know just about you, God. I want to know you. I don't want to just appear a certain way, God. I want to be be whatever you've called me to be, to be holy. This, this unrushed worship, unrushed life that you're calling us to not just, to not just know about you, but man, to walk with you in the garden, to ask you questions that I can't ask any other person on the planet, just me and my father. What's your favorite color, Jesus. How are you doing today, God? How was your week? To have a relationship with God face to face and to know him. To not be content with just knowing about him. To embrace what he's called me to do in a way that's 
God, it's all from this place of just being your son, your daughter. Scripture here says that to be free from this bondage. Another translation says the yoke of oppression that we put upon ourselves. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking about this bondage, this yoke of oppression, and oftentimes when we use these words, it's this kind of quick association with the enemy. Like, no, that's, 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 that's the bondage, that's what the enemy has done to you. But there's this, also this reality, too, that we do it to ourselves. Like, not, not everything is the enemy. A lot of things are you. Come on. I don't know about you, but I can be my own worst enemy. I can put more bondage on me than the devil ever could. I, 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 can, I can think myself sick. Come on, somebody. I, I, could, I could do these things from a place and have all this yoke of oppression I'm doing to, to where God, I've mean, forgotten what it was about a long time ago. And it's this bad thinking, Romans 12, tells like the, the renewing of our mind. Sometimes I tell myself stories that just aren't true. Anybody else? A few of you guys? Some stories that, like, no, 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 that's just not what the Bible says. And that's why I love going back to the scriptures. Because the scriptures inform me on a more true story than I tell myself. See, because I tell myself things, and, and I can cover it up with a lot of really good Christian language. Because I've been a part of this thing for so long that I know that, that the Christianese way of saying things to make it sound really spiritual Oh, well, we're, you know, we're, we're just praying about that. No, that's fear. Come on. Oh, oh no, we're just, you know, I, I think we're just going to be more realistic. Lack of faith. I, I could tell I'm, I'm just being a good steward. Not really. And, and no one else would ever know. But Jesus knows. And you know who else knows? My soul. We just sang the song, remember who you're singing to. I don't, don't want to fake it, don't want to pretend it. And the scriptures call me back to a better story. They call me to a story who can part the seas. They call me to a story of a God who can turn water into wine and can resurrect the dead. And so for all of my excuses and all of my reasonableness, I have to recall back to a God that, no, this is who my soul sings to. And if he wants to, he can part the sea in my life. And he can resurrect this thing that I think is all but dead. Or I've just counted out or, or said it's not going to happen. And I find myself sometimes frustrated with God. Because it feels like, God, I've done all of these things, but you just don't work. Anybody? But God, I've been doing this for years. I've been tithing for years. I've been going to church for years. I've been, I've been, and, and the only thing you've gotten from it is you cuss a little bit less. Come on. That's not what God's calling you to. And so there's this frustration, but you wouldn't voice it out loud, because if it did, it would admit that, oh, no, no, there's something, there's something missing in your life. If, if I voiced my frustration, but God knows, and God sees it, and God says, like, look, I'm looking at it, and I see your frustration. I know why, why you're asking, and you want to know why. Listen, you even said this, we humbled ourselves, and you didn't notice. Did, did you catch that? Like, the irony of that? Like, is it really humbling yourself if someone else has to notice? 
Like, I humbled myself. Where's my applause? Is that humility? But like, that's what the people are saying to God. We've done this fasting, we've done things, and we've did all these good works, we were helping people, and it's like you didn't even notice God. I remember, this was quite a few years ago, I had a friend, and he, I knew he was going on vacation, I knew he was going to be gone for a while, so I said, listen, I'm going to mow this guy's yard while he's, while he's gone, because I want him to come home, and I just want him to have a, a freshly mowed yard, and, 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 and I, man, I spent hours on this yard, I got it real good, cleaned it up, he, come home, he came home didn't even notice. And I'm like, you know, I did that. Oh, thank you would be nice, brother. You know, nothing. I mean, not a word. And like a couple of days go by, I'm like, maybe he's just busy unpacking or something. Nothing. And to which I'm like, God, come on, you convict him. Let him know that his pastor rolled up and mowed his yard. And I remember God saying, but I thought you wanted to bless him. Well, I did, but as long as he noticed, I wanted to bless him. Oh, so you didn't want to bless him, you wanted to bless you. Hi. <laughs> or, or come on, come on, come on, men. Girl, I vacuumed today. I vacuumed his house. I cleaned the toilets. It was your turn to clean the shower, and I cleaned the shower. And she ain't even say, thank you. I'm a good husband. You better post that on Facebook. You better tell the world of the treasure you found. Come on. I humbled myself, and it's like you didn't even notice. It's like God doesn't work. We humbled ourselves. God, where were you at? But I, I did all these things. I just want to let you know, girl, I did all these things because I love you. No, I did them because I love me. And I want the glory for me. How do we react when God ignores your sacrifice? When all of your hard work and it feels like God's not responding in a way that you thought he should respond. Think about Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel. And they bring the sacrifice to God, and God rejects one of them. You see his response? What does he do? He kills his brother. He kills his brother because this other brother, he brought a more acceptable sacrifice. How do we respond when God doesn't accept our sacrifice? When it doesn't feel like, well, God, you didn't see all the hard work I brought into giving you this thing. You know, what he should have done, instead of being frustrated and angry and going out and killing his brother, you know what he should have done? He should have said, God, I repent. Tell me what sacrifice does please you. Tell me what sacrifice you long, you desire, because I just gave you something, and maybe my motives were mixed. Maybe it was, some, maybe it was actually more about me than it was about you, and so God... Show me what you want, because this is the fast that you have chosen. This is the worship that you have chosen, and this is why worship is so important. This is why worship brings us back to this place where it's not about you. I love how we say that, like, how is worship? You don't know. Nobody does. Only God. 
Only God knows if it was pleasing to his heart or not. We could have had a good time, but God could, well, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm hearts that are completely his. Which begs another question. What can you do to impress God? What can you do to impress God? Listen, you can't give enough money. I mean, you could try. Like, <laughs> if y'all want to build a building, just throw it in there. You can't give enough money. Listen, you don't have enough skills. I know everybody says, hey, you're the best in your field and you're top notch and everybody, you're so good, you're great. You ain't got enough skills to hang with, with Jesus. There's no, no skill you got that can impress him. There, there's no amount of zeros in your bank account. There's no, no big, huge act of humility that you could do that, got, oh, man, that, man nah, I didn't think about that. How do you impress God? See, but, and we could say that this is obvious. We could say, well, it's obvious. But we just don't live like that. We live as if, well, God, I've just, I just helped seven homeless people today. Did you see all that? We humbled ourselves. I, and I'm thinking about this question this week, and I thought, I said, God, is there anything that can impress you? And I'm, I'm trying to filter it through the lens of the scriptures and if there was anything, if there was one thing, I think, that possibly could impress God, it's faith. Faith. Because there's this moment in the scriptures where Jesus has this conversation with the centurion. And they're like, you know, all you have to do is say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus is like, man, I haven't even seen faith like this in all of Israel. And, and I look, and I look at Hebrews 11, and I look at all the scriptures, and I saw this, this coming back to this faith but it's a faith that has nothing to do with me. A faith that has nothing to do with my abilities. A faith that realizes, God, you're in charge. And if you speak the word, they'll get healed. And if you do anything, and if not, we are completely helpless. And even this, and I, I don't even know if impress is the right word. Maybe a better word is just worship. To worship with a faith that even at the end of the day is a gift from him. That God, only because of your drawing, that I could stand before you. So there's, there's this correction, and then God brings this clarity. Because, okay, I, I'm not desiring this thing. I'm not desiring this false worship. I'm not desiring a worship that's, that's you're just humbling yourself to look the part. And then the chapter goes on to bring out some clarity. This is what I desire. This is the worship I desire. This is the fast that I have chosen. Stop fasting for personal profit. Stop making it all about you. Stop worshiping for selfish ambition because you'll be sadly disappointed at God's response. But God, we thought you'd work this way. Let me put it another way. Stop using God as a means to the end and start worshiping God for the glorious end that he already is. Let me say that one more time. Stop worshiping and living your life for God as the means for something else, to whatever end that you may have, whether it's to be happy or to have this or to, to no, 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 and simply worship him for the glorious end that he already is because you already are worthy. 
You already are holy. And God, even if nothing else, God, I will praise you with all of my days the rest of my life because of who you are. And you are not a means to an end. You are not just some other tool in my toolbox that I use to get what I desire. Because that's what these people are after in Isaiah 58. They're doing all these things because it's not about what God desires. It's about what they desire. Motives matter. The why you do what you do. It's not about just doing the right thing. It's why you do the right thing. Do we really think that our sacrifice, like that's what God desires? He's very clear in the scripture. Listen, it's not the blood of rams and goats and you doing all these things. It's not what I'm after. There's a song that we sing that there's a line that says, it's not a building you want to fill, it's my heart. This empty place, it's what you've wanted all along. And I'm telling you, God, that's what he longs for. That's what he desires for our hearts. He goes on to say this. Quit blaming and quit complaining and quit, and quit your gossiping. Quit blaming, quit complaining, quit your gossiping. Man, he, here's the thing. We look at all those things, blaming, blaming complaining, gossiping. We're like, oh, yeah, very bad. But we do them every day. Why do we revert to blaming and complaining? Why? Because it makes us feel good. It feels good. I'm telling you, this will destroy your soul all the time. You could, you could feel good because it feels good to, to blame somebody else because as long as I blame someone else, that means I don't have to take ownership of it. As long as I could blame my mama, as long as I could blame the government, as long as I could blame my pastor, as long as I could blame the church, as long as I could blame all the slow drivers on the wrong lane on Highway 17, it can make me feel good about my bad driving. It can make me feel good about whatever it is that I'm trying to come up. And, and, and inside of me, ah, there's always someone else to blame. There's always something else to complain about. It releases this certain feeling of vindication. Because, hey, if everyone else would just be like me. And we're telling ourselves a really bad story. And I'm telling you, it is a monster that will destroy us. There's this story that Jesus tells in the scripture and he, he's going on this trip, and he gives, hey, I'm going to give you some talents, and you some talents, and you some talents. I want to give 10, and 5, and 1. And he goes, and he comes back. I said, what have, what have you done with what I've given you? And, and one doubles, another one doubles. And the dude with one, I want you to listen to his story. His story is this. Master, I knew you to be a hard man planting uh, or reaping in places that you didn't plant. This is his story. This is his outlook on his master of the father. And it's a bad story. It's a bad story. It's an incomplete story. Because it, it, the, the truth is, this is not a hard man. This is a godly man. This is a kingdom-minded man. Yeah, you see where I reap in places where I didn't plant, but what you don't see is I also plant in places where other people are going to reap. This, this, is, this is a kingdom vineyard. This is the kingdom thing that we're doing. Right now, I planted in you. And because of your bad story against me, all you could think to do was to hide your talent in the ground. And you think just giving it back to me is enough? You've got a wrong story. 
you've got a wrong story. See, your bad thinking will affect your ability to truly live out your calling. See, see, some of us are living below our calling because we've got a bad story about who our father is. Your bad thinking has affected your ability to produce fruit. As a matter of fact, your bad thinking, the only thing that you can produce is more complaints, more complaints and more blaming. And the, and the cycle continues, and then I feel good. I feel vindicated. And we could go in this vein for years and years and years. We could spend our lifetime complaining and blaming society, disappointments, God, all the time while never owning it. And I just think 2024 year, 2024 is the year in which we just own it. You want to fast something? This is the fast that I've chosen. Stop complaining. Stop blaming. Actually, this is one of mine. I told my wife, one of, one of my fasts I'm going to do, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to not complain. I have failed <laughs> horribly. It's way easier not to eat some meal than it is to give up this one. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going not to blame. I'm not going to point the finger. Man, because I felt good doing that because it vindicated me. And then all this is gossip. Come on, gossip, y'all. I don't have to spend long on this one. Gossip. I think, I think gossip is kind of like the McDonald's of healthy living. Right? It's everywhere. It's in every nation. It's in every country. It's on every corner. It's quick. It's fast. I mean, and it'll taste good while you're eating it. And five minutes later, you regret it. Come on. Gossip. The fast food of life. Think about it. Think about what gossip does. See, the very nature of gossip is this. I know something you don't know. And so there's a certain power, a certain, ooh, I, I don't, so I want you to be able to trust me and my power and my authority, so I'm going to tell you something you don't know to educate you. Now, the irony of this is now I know that you know that we know that I can't keep my mouth shut. And so all of that trust that I'm looking forward to having you is now being decimated because I know that you know that we know that it's just a matter of time before, you, now you can't tell me anything because I'm going to tell somebody else your business. And so we live this life in this continual cycle of just like, ah, I could gossip because in the moment it feels good because I have this certain amount of power, I have this certain amount of authority, I'm educating you on a certain subject or someone else's sin or whatever it may be or this is what's happening in the community. Did you hear about what she did? Did you hear about what he did? And now all of a sudden that's released and then all of that trust is shattered. But we do it over and over and over again. Listen, some of you guys, you've had 17 best friends in the last four years because you can't keep your mouth shut, because you're not trustworthy, because, oh, man, that gossip is that, it's that dopamine hit. It just feels good in the moment. It destroys trust. At the end, it only breeds distrust, anxiety, depression, and loneliness. 
some of us, we're dealing with that. Man, why, why do I feel this anxiety, this depression? Some of it, because you just, you just can't stay off of Facebook. You just can't help but shout someone else's business. And again, and some of us can cover it up with Christian language. Prayer requests. Come on. Let me give you a little rule of life. You're not allowed to give someone else a prayer request until you've spent time praying for that person. Until your heart is broken for that situation, keep your mouth shut. Otherwise, you've just deceived yourself. You're just getting that dopamine hit. And I'm telling you guys, this is a sad story. And remember, Isaiah 58 is a message to the church. It's a message to me. It's not a message to the crackhead down the street. <laughs> God's saying, no, no, these, these, are, these are some of the things that you're doing, you're complaining about, you're wondering why I don't work, you're wondering why this is happening. And this is the fast that I've chosen. I'm going to ask everyone to stand to their feet with me. I just want to read to you for a moment another kind of look at the scripture in which Isaiah is really just repeating the words in which God tells directly to his people, just in my own kind of language. This is the worship that I want. This is the fasting that I want. This is the life that I'm calling you to live. Keep your mouth shut when you're tempted to gossip and to complain, and to blame. Stop fasting and working and worshiping to use God as a means for personal gain, but seek him for the end that he is. Do you want to impress God? Surrender. Take all of that self-imposed delusion of usefulness and lay it at the cross. Let me say that one one more time. Take all of your self-imposed delusions of usefulness and lay it at the cross. He has done the work. He completed the work on the cross. We get to enter in to a work that he started even before the creation of the world. Before the first word was spoken, it was already finished. Humble yourselves in the presence of God and let it go unnoticed. Humble yourselves time and time again until your soul no longer needs the praise of man to go to sleep at night. Humble yourselves to the point to which if no one else sees God, you see, and I am secure in you, and I am okay with my treasures in heaven. And God, even if you reject my offering, God, I bring it back to you and say, God, how and what can I do to please you, not please myself? And if I get it wrong again, Lord, your word says the righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up again and again and again. Paul would call this a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, not based on my conditions, on who I think God is or who I want him to be, but who he truly is and what he truly wants. 
And so, God, as a church, we receive your correction. We don't want to be a people that are just busy, busy, busy at worship. We don't want a people that looks the part to the nations, who knows all the right things to say, all the right things to do, but our souls are longing for you, to be found by you, to be changed by you into your image, into your likeness. Lord, we repent. Lord, your word says that if we do this, the lights will turn on. That salvation will come quickly like the dawn, that our wounds would be healed. And so come, Lord Jesus. 2024, come. We repent. Lord, in this moment, I just ask that you would quicken our spirits. If in some way we've, we've been falling into that trap of complaining, blaming, gossiping, self-centered worship, self-centered living, humbling ourselves for someone else's approval, Holy Spirit, come. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.